Now that is the number one team in the nation. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, November 21st, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or watch every single day. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Listen, we got to talk about the football team's just bummer letdown against Georgia Tech on Saturday, and we're going to spend the majority of the show talking about Carolina men's basketball's victory over James Madison on Sunday. But first, let's just start by giving a huge shout out to the women's field hockey team for winning the national championship on Sunday afternoon, two to one over the second national seed Northwestern. They finish the year undefeated. It is their fourth national championship in the last five years, 10th overall. And the homie Aaron Matson is just something else, something different. She puts the cherry on top of her storied career by scoring what turns out to be the national championship winning goal in the final 80 seconds to give Carolina that 2-1 victory. Not to mention Northwestern had just tied it up like 45 seconds prior. And so, man, the best player in all of college field hockey doing what she needs to do. Uh, Matson finishes her career. Listen to some of this. Five-time ACC champ, five-time ACC Offensive Player of the Year, five-time first-team All-American, two-time ACC Tournament MVP, two-time NCAA Tournament MVP, and, of course, a four-time national champion. Congrats, Aaron Matson and the women's field hockey team. Okay, let's talk about this basketball game, Carolina wins over James Madison on Sunday afternoon, 80-64. to And I just want to start by talking about how this looked like a much more complete version of the Tar Heels than we've seen, I think, at any point so far this season. I know there was that second half against College of Charleston that uh, was really good, but this was much more of a complete game from start to finish. For me... We're going to talk about several things, but the most telling sign of that is when you look at the assist numbers. I've often said this offseason and, and in the beginning parts of this year that Carolina was at their best last year when they were assisting on a ridiculous amount of field goals. And so for the first time all season in this game against James Madison, they assisted on over 50% of their made field goals, 14 assists on 27 baskets. That's the kind of thing that tells me they're moving in the right direction. The The second half got off to a bit of a, a rocky start and um, James Madison made, made a strong push, had a I believe a 14 to four run at one point and Carolina started playing a little bit of some individualistic basketball, but then got back to sharing and doing things like this. For me, another part of what made this look like the team we expected is we got um, an unexpected welcome is we thought Puff Johnson was going to start playing for the first time later this week when the team gets to play in Portland in the Phil Knight Invitational, as per what Coach Davis had said last week. But Puff Johnson played in this game. In fact, he played the most minutes of anyone that wasn't a starter. And to me, this is a 
what we've been talking about. Like, hey, part of the reason this team doesn't look like what they're supposed to look like is because the sixth man has not been playing. And so now you can begin to more fully evaluate what the 22-23 Tar Heels are going to be. Again, we still have to continue to hold on that until Jalen Washington is in the mix. But Puff Johnson is going to be, at least we expect him to be, a more integral piece. So now you know what you're starting to get. And I was really encouraged by what I saw out of Puff Johnson. I hope you were as well. Frankly, he didn't. I, I'm watching him very closely. Like, there's that that mental hurdle that athletes have to overcome when coming back from an injury. And so that's what I was watching most closely is, did he look like Puff? Or was he, you know, kind of taking it easy a little bit just to make sure like, I'm okay, I'm okay, let's go, right? No, this dude comes out, draws a charge with about two minutes to go in the first half, tried to draw another one. A couple of minutes later was called for a blocking foul. And so, I mean, just doing Puff Johnson things, right? That is what he adds to this team. Had a three-pointer in the second half. In fact, it was the only one the Tar Heels hit in the second half. And so I just I just want to point out, this is a different team with him available. Now, again, the, the first half was what was the most impressive part of this game. But I do feel like it was a complete game. And I know some will disagree with me because... Um, others will say, yeah, it was a dominant first half, but they didn't do anything in the second half. And I mean, yes, it was a slow start to the second half, but you have lulls like that in games and ultimately Carolina weathered the storm. Remember, as we talked about, James Madison is a great basketball team following the game. They are ranked 81st at Ken Palm now. And so as we said on Friday show, not all mid-majors are created equal. And that is certainly true of James Madison. And so you knew they were going to make a run at some point. They were not going to look as they did in the first half of the whole game. And we're going to talk about Carolina's defense in a little bit because it was really, really impressive, but um, they weathered that run from what, what coming into the game was the nation's number one scoring team and, and continued to hold them down. And you love to see that. Now, with getting Puff Johnson back, you start to think, okay, maybe that's fewer minutes for the starters, and you you allow them to get some rest. And we saw a little more of that in this game. However, all five starters still played uh, at least 30 minutes. Leakey played the most at 37, uh, 35 for Baycott, 34 for Davis, 32 for Pete Nance, and 30 for Caleb Love. And so you're starting to think like, man, you you thought you get Puff Johnson back, you'd have this big, um, you know, more more time allotted to the bench and depth. But there were still only nine players that played. Justin McCoy didn't get in the game. And perhaps most curiously, Dontre Styles did not play a second in this game. Now, you knew that Puff Johnson would cut into his time, but you didn't figure that it would completely relegate him to the bench. And so we're going to have to keep our eyes on that going forward as well with this. Uh, I know he hasn't been playing much yet this season, but that was, wow, that was eyes raised on that one. But the the bench as a total added 15 points. Um, that was all, the, the four bench players that played were Tyler Nickel, who didn't score, and then Seth Tremble and Puff. And who am I missing? Uh, DeMarco. DeMarco Dunn. And so the three of those guys, Seth Trimble, DeMarco, and Puff, combined for 15 points in the game. Now, um, 
keep in mind, uh, we talked about this was a more complete game, a more complete showing, really interesting. Caleb Love didn't even score in double digits in this game, only had nine points. And so, I, you know, that to me is an encouraging thing. Now, he didn't shoot well, uh, three for 11, only nine points. But um, if Carolina is going to look like this and Caleb Love's only scoring nine, that's a good sign for what is going to normally happen. And by the way, Caleb Love finds himself just three points shy of becoming Carolina's 80th 1,000-point career score. Crazy stuff. No other school even has 70, and Carolina is three points shy of having 80 of them. Great stuff from the Tar Heels, and that is an encouraging sign heading into what is a brutal stretch, uh, starting with the three games at Portland later this week, Thursday on Thanksgiving Day, Friday, and then on Sunday. Now, as we always do with our basketball game recaps, we want to get to our Four Corners recap and, of course, the shady stat of the basketball game. Cannot wait to share that with you, and I know you're looking forward to it as well. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike all across the nation? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure and have greater peace of mind this holiday season. I love it because I basically let Alexa run my house. It's a smart home, and so I can do anything I want to on a home security system like Simply Safe from my phone. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents used Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that a threat is real so that you can get priority police response. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, we're going to stay with the basketball game, look at our four corners recap and the shady stat of the game, but also let me remind you to check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with insights that only the local experts of Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. All right, four corners. Let's get to number one. I got to start with Armando Baycott. Why? I've been hard on him early this season because he's not looked like what Carolina needs from him, quite frankly. We even speculated last week that perhaps there might be something physically, perhaps mentally, that he's just like hurdles that he's struggling to overcome. Um did not seem that way in this game. I think our guy Armando was fed up with the noise and said, I'm about to come out and show you guys that I'm fine, I'm good, and stuff is ready to go for this season. And, oh, you know, just finishes up with 19 points and a career-high 23 rebounds. Yeah, I think our guy is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Just getting warmed up and going. And now we've seen Armando Baycott. A little bit inefficient from the field. Shot five of 11. You'd love to see uh, a higher percentage on, on his field goals. But great job. Was nine of 12 from the free throw line. Man, that is what, man, if Armando Baycott can shoot 75% on that many free throws game in and game out, going to be in a good place this season. As you know, it is the 50th dub-dub. 
That's right. That's what we call double-doubles on the show. The dub-dub train is leaving the station. Armando Baycott has his 50th of his career, just climbing on up the record books there. Now, the question for me, you've got four games of Armando Baycott now this season. This, as compared to the others, is the outlier. This should be the norm and is what we expect to be the norm. So keep your eyes peeled on that in Portland this upcoming weekend. Is this the start of what is going to be Armando Baycott's senior season? It should be, but keep your eyes peeled. Number two in our four corners recap, Carolina's defense against James Madison. Listen, the Tar Heels should be and project to be a great offensive team. And in fact, in terms of Ken Palm offensive efficiency, their offense is ahead of their defense this season. But Carolina's defense right now, as of when I'm recording this, is 27th in the nation at Ken Palm. If Carolina's defense can do what they've been doing so far this season on a consistent and ongoing basis, it is going to be tough to beat this group of Tar Heels. Unbelievable. Let me me just remind you of some of James Madison's numbers coming in. They led the nation in scoring 105.3 points per game. How many did they score in this one? 64. That's 41 under their season average. They led the nation in field goal percentage. 58.6%. What did they shoot in this game? 34.8%. And in fact, the first half was under 30. It was 29.4%. Well under their season average. Second in the nation in three-point field goal percentage at 54.1%. This game, 25.9%. It's a bunch of numbers I'm throwing at you, all to say Carolina severely, severely limited What James Madison was able to do, was wanting to do, they couldn't pull off any of that in this game. Their leading scorer coming in, Morse, had just 10 or had 10 points in this game. I say just 10 points, it's 10 points compared to his season average. (laughs) But for 10 points, he needed 17 shots to get their shot, just three of 17 from the field. That's what you want to do to an opponent's best score night in and night out. Part of the encouragement to me is, is you see those kind of shooting numbers and you think, oh man, Carolina must have had a bunch of blocks, all sorts of stuff. One block in this entire, I mean, you want more blocks, but Carolina's just doing this playing good defense. And, and that's an encouraging, encouraging thing. And probably my favorite defensive stat of this game is James Madison came out hitting three-pointers. That's what they do. They make a ton of threes but they could not hit a two-point field goal to save their life. It took them 12 minutes and five seconds over a quarter of the way into this game before they scored a two-point basket. That's the kind of defense you want from these Tar Heels. All right, four corners point number three was the rebounding. This has been a point of contention in the first three games of the season. Carolina uh, lost the rebounding battle in First game of the season to Wilmington, 37-32. Lost it to Charleston, 35-32 against a very short lineup. Inexplicable there. And then finally won a rebounding battle in game three against Gardner-Webb. But even that was just 40-38. to You love getting 40 rebounds, but allowing 38 to your opponent. This is the game Carolina came out and absolutely dominated the glass and took care of business. Finishing this game... 50 rebounds for the Tar Heels, 34 for James Madison, a plus 16 margin on the glass. That 
is what North Carolina basketball should be doing every time they step foot on the floor. Now, here's my favorite part of this. What I'm about to tell you is a factual statement, something I tweeted immediately after the game because it was mind-boggling. I already told you that Armando Bacot had a career-high 23 rebounds. Leaky Black also had a career-high in rebounds with 12. Simple math, what is that? 35. If you're a keen listener or watcher, you'll recall that I just told you James Madison had 34 rebounds in this game. So yeah, what you're thinking is absolutely right. Armando Baycott and Leaky Black, just those two players combined, out-rebounded the entire James Madison basketball team, 35-34. to That is hilarious and awesome. So way to go, Armando and Leaky, but really the whole team. Out-rebounding, James Madison, I don't care that you have this big height advantage. You still got to go out and do it, as we saw against College of Charleston, where Carolina didn't. 50-34 to on the glass, that needs to be the standard. And so uh, we will keep watching that. Now, you're averaging 45 rebounds a game over the last two. That's great. Again, similar to what I said about Armando. What is that going to look like going forward? Fourth corner point number four is the three-point shooting. Listen, it's no secret. Carolina has not been lighting it up from deep so far this season. Uh, In fact, they haven't made double-digit threes in a game this season yet, including this James Madison game. It looked like they would. Had seven threes in the first half, as I already alluded to. Puff Johnson made the only three-pointer of the second half, and the Tar Heels finished with eight. Um, And percentage-wise, they didn't light it up again either. 32% from three. However, I already talked about what a great three-point shooting team James Madison was, is, and how many they had been making coming in. But the Tar Heels both shot a better percentage from three and hit more threes than James Madison. That's, that's how you win basketball games, and a, particularly against a team that is built to do that very thing. James Madison had hit more threes than every opponent they had played this season. They had made double-digit threes in three of their first four games. None of that came to fruition in this game. Something I liked about this game is that even though on the on the Carolina side of shooting threes, even though they only made eight, there was a great diversity. Seven different Tar Heels made a three-point basket. Interestingly enough, that hadn't happened since a year ago to the day from yesterday against Purdue. Carolina lost to Purdue last year, a, a hard-fought game against a great Boilermaker team. But Carolina had seven different players make a three, and so uh, pretty funny stuff there. I think the biggest thing I need to see right now on the three-point shooting is getting RJ and Caleb going. They combined to just shoot three of 13 from deep in this game, and that's been about what's been happening in the early going of this season. Better days are definitely ahead for both of them, but you'd rather see it sooner than later. All right, got to finish with the shady stat of this basketball game. We're going to have a shady stat for the football game as well, but for the basketball game, it's got to be this rebounding thing, man. Armando and Leakey out-rebounding the entire James Madison unit, 35 to 34. You just don't see like stuff like that happen every day, but you love it when it does happen. Well, while the basketball team offered the performance we've been waiting for the entire season, the football team did not. They had, unfortunately, a massive letdown on Saturday night versus Georgia Tech. More on that momentarily. But first, this episode is brought to you by Nissan. 
This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers that are in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievabilities, unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Armando Baycott's performance against James Madison on Sunday. 19 points, career-high 23 rebounds, career 50th dub-dub of all time, climbing right on up the Carolina ranks, both in dub-dubs and in rebounds. And so, man, you love to see Armando Baycott coming alive. And again, we hope it is a jump start to the rest of the season. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. All of it available at NissanUSA.com. All right. The football game. We got to talk about it. Losing this game to Georgia Tech at home is frustrating. It is confounding. It is perplexing, but it happened. And quite frankly, it's the thing that's been building all season. Carolina has played with fire in late game scenarios, winning all six of these road games by uh, one possession. A lot of times it's come down to a play or two that if it had gone another way, Carolina would have lost. That's what happened at this one. They, again, kept playing with fire and it finally came back to sting them. And yeah. I do intend that pun because it's Georgia Tech. Um, but um, there, there's just no way to get around it. Um, I know we didn't think Carolina was in the college football playoff conversation unless just absolute insanity occurred. But now, I mean, any hope of that is gone. However, there are still big things in front of you. And so rather than dwell too terribly long on what happened, we need to look forward. But I do want to dwell some because I want to talk about this game, look at some of like, why did this happen? What's going on? And then we will look forward. To me, the, the microcosm of the entire game was Josh Downs dropping what potentially could have been the game-winning touchdown in the end zone. So your high-spin potential quarterback throwing to your potential Bolitnikoff winner for what's a go-ahead touchdown with four minutes left in the game. On a fourth and 11, by the way. <laughs> The fact that Mac Brown went for that instead of kicking, frankly, I just love it. Why not? You know, let's go for it. But, and and it was a great play design. Josh Downs was lined up in the backfield, um, sprints out, kind of flagged to the corner of the end zone there. And just actually, no, he was in the front of the end zone. I'm sorry. And just couldn't hold it. Um, announcer, like you heard it, if you watch the broadcast, they're like, hey, touchdown. No, he dropped it. Like it was just one of those. And you just... You can't believe it. But even still, Carolina had a chance to, to stop Georgia Tech, get the ball back, and go score. But three different third downs on Georgia Tech's ensuing possession, Tar Heel defense could not get off the field. They couldn't get that one big play that they've come up with so many times when their backs were against the wall this season. And, and you've kind of expected them to come up with that play the way this season has gone, right? But you also expect it to come back and bite them at some point, and that's exactly what happened perhaps most painfully so was giving up a first down on a third and nine draw play where Georgia Tech picks it up on the ground just brutal and painful and bitter 
in addition to that Josh Downs play, there was an earlier touchdown called back. Like Elijah Green almost had his 50, like his second touchdown of over 50 yards on the day. A 68-yard touchdown run was nullified by a holding penalty on Bryson Nesbitt on a play in which Nesbitt found himself on his back with the Georgia Tech defender on top of him. So I've rewatched that play a lot, trying to find the hold. And it's like, it looks like perhaps he's got hold of the Georgia tech defender and like just in the, the way their momentum's going pulls the Georgia tech defender down on top of him. But man, I, that is, that is a tough call, a bitter pill to swallow. Cause that would have given um, Carolina, they were still winning at that point, 20, uh, excuse me, 17 to 14. That makes it 24 to 14. And, and then you're ro- rocking and rolling still, but ah, it happens, man. It's, it stinks. Yeah. Now, the frustration is made all the more annoying because the heels were shot out of a cannon in this game. I think Georgia, Georgia Tech had the ball first, and I think they picked up a first down, but then Carolina got off the field on the next third down, and then first offensive play from scrimmage, 80-yard touchdown, Elijah Green. And it's like, oh, this is how this game's about to be? Uh, Drake May might, might not need to do much tonight if Elijah Green's going to be doing that all night. And, in fact, that's what the ground game was doing for a while. And then the second offensive play from scrimmage, 33 yard pass. And so you're thinking, man, this is, this is rolling, right? The we're about to roll up these Georgia tech yellow jackets and things are going well. And so I don't know if, if that's what Carolina got in their head and then it just started slipping away, but something, something flipped. So Carolina ultimately had a 17, nothing lead and there were 21 more points scored in the game. And all of them were on Georgia tech side of the ledger. You just can't have it. Inexplicably, coming, you might recall last year, Georgia Tech had eight sacks against North Carolina and frankly embarrassed the Tar Heels. And in, it wasn't a blowout this year, but it was almost more embarrassing because of, of the stakes, of the circumstances, of everything you still had in front of you. And it just, man, just did not happen. And so in this game, they allow six sacks. And, you know, I mean, that's just, that is a hard pill to swallow that that is what happened. Aside from the the team sadness, folks, Drake Drake May's hopes of winning the Heisman are gone. Like, it just, you just can't have a performance like that this late in the season. I know that's a team thing. It's not just Drake May, but um, that's, that's the fact of the matter. Now, I still believe that he can and potentially will get an invite to New York for the ceremony. Uh, A lot of that's going to depend on what happens against NC State this coming weekend and against Clemson. You you show out against Clemson in the ACC championship against that NC State defense that people talk about so much this coming Friday, you're still getting an invite. Um, Also, in you just hate to see injuries. And so um, you might have heard Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's dynamic quarterback, who was also in the Heisman conversation, tore his ACL on Saturday night. And, and man, so as, as frustrating as Saturday night was for Carolina, all the more so for Tennessee, who had all, all sorts of CFP possibilities in front of them, potential Heisman in Hendon Hooker. And, uh, man, just hate to see a season end that way for a young man. Speaking of injuries... Listen, I think Carolina, without Antoine Green, missing him in a big, big 
way. Hopefully he will be available and ready to go for NC State this week. Again, as Anthony Pagnotta said so well on the show last week, you don't want to rush him back. You don't want to mess with head injuries. But if he's ready to go, um, you hope that Carolina will be able to utilize him well this upcoming Friday. Now, the biggest thing I said I want to look forward, and that's what I do want to do. You cannot let one loss turn into two or three or four, which is still potential, right? You've got NC State, Clemson, and then a bowl game. Reset, get your head back in the game, and let's go, right? you got one less day of preparation this week. you got to be ready. You still have an opportunity, the Carolina Tar Heels do, to be 10-2 and two in the regular season, to win double-digit games in the regular season. I know losing to Georgia Tech is frustrating, but if I had offered you a 10-2 and two regular season before things started, you would have jumped at that chance, as would I have. And as a reminder, it would be the first time winning double-digit games in the regular season since that special 2015 season with Marquise Williams and everyone. Now, also, I mean, it's good news. Despite the loss, Carolina already has the ACC championship locked up, so you're going to get to play in that game. Um, and and you have this shot at NC State to get big-time revenge for what happened there in Raleigh last year. And so I know that the Tar Heels are going to be focused uh, they're they're going to be making plays. I know, man, listening to Mac Brown, he was embittered after this game. And so after a performance like this, obviously the shady stat of the game is going to be a little bit of a downer. And it is this. After 113 yards of offense on the first two offensive plays of the game for Carolina, they had just 252 more yards of total offense the entire rest of this game. That is not a winning recipe. You know, as we alluded to with Drake, my Drake May's Heisman hopes and 202 passing yards total, zero touchdowns. First time in his career with that goose egg and a pick. He's not done that. Just his fourth of his career. Better days are hopefully ahead. Got to get back on it for Friday. And remember, Carolina men's basketball is back in action Thursday. Carolina women had a great win on Sunday, also against James Madison. That one was on the road. And once again, big congrats to the field hockey national champions. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. You can email the show. We'd love to get an email from you at to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Thanks for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen of the day. For your next listen, make sure you check out Locked on Sports Today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, all the scores you need, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, I know the football team lost, but other great things are happening, and regardless of what's going on, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!